All right, um, we're gonna we're gonna do announcements later. I just I want to kind of dive right into it. <clears throat> if you guys are cool with that, um, I'm just kind of feeling feeling like diving into it. So we're gonna we'll do we'll do uh, offering and announcements later because I'm the pastor and I can just change things like that. But don't forget to because we like air conditioning. Um, all right, kids, uh, follow the leader. Paula. I drew a blank there for a minute. Follow Paula. Oh, we also have, we'll give out ribbons too later for all the people that made chili and cornbread, but I just can't talk about chili and cornbread right now. (laughs) Sometimes you just can't make that transition and today's that day. So bear with me. I just want to dive right into this. Um. It has been an interesting, interesting week for me. Uh, Too much running around. It's my middle name. My my middle name is too much running around. Uh, Never mind, it's Justin. Waukesha is my first name. All right, uh, I just want to dive right into this. John 13, we'll, we'll start in John 13. I'm reading from the message. Um, you can read from whatever, but this is, I just like this version of this story. <clears throat> John 13, 1, I'm going to dive right into it, and then we're going to talk. And then I've got a ton more scripture that I may or may not get to. John 13, 1, and this is from the message translation. <clears throat> so just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world to go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time. The devil by now now had Judas, son of Simon, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything. Another version says he was... uh, He had authority on heaven and earth. Jesus knew that the Father put him in charge of everything, that he had come from God and he was on his way back to God. So his response to knowing this, listen, is he got up from the supper table because it says right there, so. He realized that he had all authority on heaven and earth and so he gets up from the supper table, sets aside his robe and puts on an apron. He then poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with an apron. When he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? Jesus answered, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear enough to you later. Remember that, because we're going to get back to this. And you don't understand what's going on, but this is going to be clear to you later. Verse 8, Peter persisted, you're not going to wash my feet ever. (laughs) I love Peter. What a bold and ignorant statement to say to the Lord. (laughs) You're not washing my feet. Do you know who I am? (laughs) Ever. You're (laughs) You're not washing my feet ever. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. (laughs) Here goes Peter. Master, said Peter, not only my feet then, wash my hands and my head. (laughs) How quickly (laughs) he shifted. Just wash everything then. And Jesus said, if you've had a bath in the morning, you only need your feet washed now, and you're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. (laughs) 
So now you're clean. Now stop here. You see what he's done? He's made a transition here from a physical washing to a spiritual washing. He's saying, listen, you're missing the point here. It's not about how I'm washing or what I'm washing, what I'm doing. You, to be a part of me, you have to understand what I'm doing and who I am, right? He had to understand that Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, was taking a lowly place and washing his feet. I don't know if you've ever had a foot washing or been around like a foot washing thing. We've been, we've been in churches and we've been here where we've had foot washings. It's, um, if, if not, I encourage you to at some point do it. It's, very, it's a very intimate thing. <laughs> it's very personal. There's no, it's a little awkward, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like making eye contact with someone while they're washing your feet. It's, it's just, there's, there's just something about it. Um, and to imagine God <laughs> incarnate, God and man together, bending down and washing your feet, one of the lowliest positions, is such a huge deal. It's a, such an intimate thing happening there. And he's wanting Peter to see that it's not just about your feet being dirty and that I'm washing them. It's who I am and what I'm doing. This is huge. This is a big, big, big deal. Now, I say that because I'm going to talk about Peter in just a little bit. And I'm going to give you a brief. There's much more stupid things Peter did. He did some good things too. But here's, I'm going to give you a brief uh, kind of story about Peter and his personality. Now, what's great about Jesus is he saw Peter redeemed before he ever was. He could see, Jesus could see Peter as he was going to be, not just as he was in place. This is important for us to see because so many times we give up on other people and so many times we give up on ourselves, right? Because we don't see us redeemed, we see us like a snapshot. We don't see the full picture. I love how it says, especially the message, it says he loved them and he went. He continued loving them. Listen, this whole Christianity thing is not a one-time event. You do get born again and that's an incredible thing. But from that place, it's a, it's, it's a process. You continue being loved. You continue understanding how good God is and how good he's made you. You continue to feel that. You continue to see it. You continue to experience it. You continue to talk about it, right? It's a continuing thing. We have to see that. Because if we just see it as snapshots, we'll always feel like we've been let down. We always feel like a failure. We can, we can look at it that way if we choose to. What God is trying to show Peter through Jesus right now is, I love you. I'm God, and I love you right where you are. In the, midst, in the middle of your mess, with your filthy, ugly feet, <laughs> I love you. Let that sink in a minute. He's not just washing his feet. Scrub-a-dub-dub. You're clean now. No, he's saying, listen, when you really get this, you're not going to get this, but later on you'll get it. What I'm doing is going to change who you are. <laughs> Not just what you do or how you think or a new teaching. What I'm doing is going to radically transform you as a person all the way around. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. Peter said, yeah, wash everything. Jesus said, if you've had a bath in the morning, you, don't need your, you only need your feet washed. Now you're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is not holiness, but hygiene. I mean, is, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean. But not every one of you. He's talking about Judas. Dang. Some divine. Some divine. <laughs> Dang. Judas. 
Not you. I wasn't talking about you, Rick. <laughs> it was just a little. <laughs> Listen, we had a, <laughs> we had a, a, a pastor that we, we, we watched at this conference we went to not too long ago, and it was his son or somebody was playing keys while he was, while he was preaching, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, like the typical, like, just doing that. But his son would, they were playing off each other. It was almost like watching a, a skit or something. So when, when he would get excited and he was talking, his son would start building up on the keys. And they would say something funny. He'd go, do, 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 do. And I told, I told Melissa when I got back, I was like, we might need to do that. That was really fun. Like, at first, I was like, this is weird. But as it progressed, I was like, this is pretty cool. I kind of like this. But it was a neat, like, it was, it was live. Like, I don't think any of it was planned. He just kind of went along with it. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's Rick's fault. My ADD kicked in. Judas! No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, he says, not, but, but not, yeah, squirrel. But not every one of you, and he was talking about Judas. Um, after he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe, put it back on, and went back to his place at the table. Then he said, do you understand what I have done to you? You see, he's really emphasizing what's happened here. You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, wash your feet, you must, listen to the, the wording here, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. This is real simple stuff here. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. <laughs> a servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. Now, he's not just saying, everybody go wash each other's feet. Do you understand that? Jesus isn't saying, okay, let's, and that's what we do as a church. Well, we need to have a foot washing. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, look, your master, king of kings, lord of lords, god of the universe, is washing your feet. This is the pattern. I've shown you that God and man can dwell together, and, and it's okay, and it works. But now, knowing that I have all authority on heaven and earth, and you, you know I pour into you guys every Sunday that I'm up here speaking, your identity in Christ and, and what power you have and who you are and whose you are. And, and it, you know, I, I constantly do that because you carry something. <laughs> Each one of you carries the Holy Spirit. If you've been born again, you're a new creation in Christ and you carry the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't feel like it all the time, he's still there. Okay? The reason why I do that is because when you're around other people, they need the Holy Spirit. They need you too. He's not, you're not divorced of him. He's not jumping in and out of you. <laughs> they need you too, but they need to see what you have inside. They need it. And you need to know that as bold as you are carrying the God of the universe around in you like a, like a red solo cup sloshing around. <laughs> we don't, it's jars of clay in scripture, but we use red solo cup because we don't, we don't drink out of jars of clay. So y'all are like red solo cups just running around with Jesus. And, and so you, you, you walk around and people need that. So you don't puff up and think, oh, look at me, I'm royalty, I'm, I've got all this authority. Yeah, you do, but not to puff up and to, and to say that you're better than other people. Many of us in here have been crushed under, under, <laughs> under religion saying that we had to continue to work our way up to a place that Christ gave us for free. And what a, what a, what a rabbit wheel to run on, or hamster wheel. Rabbits don't run in wheels. I guess if you've got a big enough wheel... That'd be pretty funny. Probably rabbits hop though. That just. Don't you know what also rabbits in the piano field? It's got 
Rappers can do what they want. I don't care. All right. So bye. Okay, focus. Bring it back. Okay. Golly. Thank you, Lord. So we demonstrate this God's love by, by serving and loving one another. Let me say that again. You don't gain God's love by serving and loving one another. You demonstrate it. It's already there. The source, I just... I just uh, Deborah and Scott renewed their vows, and one of the things I always talk about now um, is love and, and all those characteristics that love brings, and it brings a lot of pressure usually to a relationship. Like, I've got to live up to all these things. Love is patient. Love is kind. I'm not really kind all the time. I'm not very patient. All that is the source. God, is God. his agape love is like that, and that's the source that we get that from so that we can share it with other people. It's much easier when we realize that. It's how grace puts us in that position. Um, if we think that we've got to live up to the, those expectations, you're going to be perpetually disappointed again. We go back to this this uh, rabbit wheel. I'm going to use that just for the heck of it now. <laughs> Do what I want. I make up my own sayings. I don't care. Um, so we go back on this, this, this kind of treadmill thing of, of trying to, to do things instead of just doing things because that's who we are. All right. Now, now it's story time. This week has been a whirlwind of a week for me with work and with just things that have happened. Um, what? <laughs> for Pam, oh my gosh, we're gonna pray for you before we leave. Pam had a car hit her house, and then in repairs, now it's flooded. Golly, we're gonna pray for you. Let's pray for you right now. Y'all, just stretch your hands out towards Pam. Father, we just pray for Pam right now, Lord. Lord, we pray for peace for Sam and Pam. Lord, in the midst of a literal and, and spiritual storm that they're going through, Lord, that you would, you would bring peace. Lord, that you would also um, help us to see the ways that, that we can help them in their need. Lord, financially or practically or emotionally, whatever it is, Lord, we lift them up right now to you. And we declare your goodness on their life, on their house, on their property, on their roof, on everything that they're, that they're going through, Lord. We just bring peace and your blessings opened up to them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm with me. I have to do it right then, or I'll forget. So that's part of part of my personality. Some people call it ADD. I just think I'm awesome. So, <laughs> so Tracy, oh, now remember mine. My mother-in-law was saying something about the way I looked the other. She said I looked mean the other night or something. And I was. She said, "You know how you looked the other night?" I was like, "Awesome." She was like, "No, you look like a jerk." And I was like, "Tomato, tomato." <laughs> Anyway, so uh, <laughs> she, was, she was just messing with me. She's not really, she wasn't really being, well, I guess she was, whatever. All right, so this week has been a whirlwind. I had to, <clears throat> had to travel for work, and then I've got to travel some for work this week, and, and little travel's not bad, but when I start doing big travel, I get stressed out a little bit because I, I don't like being away from home, and I, I love Tracy and the kids, and I love you guys, and it just, it, 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 there's a little bit of anxiety that goes with it. I don't like flying. Buddy even talked about last week. We had a discussion like, I just stress out. It's a control thing. I just I see the fuselage flex. I know it's supposed to do that. I'm just like, I'm, there's, I have nothing to fall into. <laughs> I look outside at the plane of the wings. I'm like, if you guys weren't there, we'd just, we'd just be a lawn dart. <laughs> like those little, these little wings is just keeping us up. And like I understand it, but it's just this control thing that I'm just terrified. I'm, I'm terrified and amazed at the same time. And I'll take 100 pictures of clouds because it's just like, this is so crazy. I'm sitting in a chair in the sky. This is just amazing. 
So well, I'm flying. <laughs> this is crazy. It's just ugh. maybe I'm just simple, but um, but as as we're flying, and I, I I posted a short a short story of this on Facebook too, um, but I wanted to tell you guys a little more in depth of what happened. Um, I get for some reason I flew the tiniest planes. Maybe I just got a cheap ticket, but I was flying the tiniest, scariest planes, and I'm real close to people that you know are really close to that I don't know. And uh, so I sit next to this guy, this, this guy, and he's got two laptops and a phone, and he's a bigger guy. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> click, click. This is going to be fun. Air conditioning in my face. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he just said, you know, hey or whatever. And I said, hey. And we made small talk. And um, before long, uh, he had oh, so many laptops. <laughs> I was like, you know, what, what are you doing with all those laptops? <laughs> you got plans for this trip or what? And, He's like, well, I just don't like to stow him. He said, I'm a, he's a computer guy, and he did some kind of, I didn't understand. He said a lot of words, and I didn't understand many of them. But basically, UIT guys would probably get it. Um, he does some kind of algorithms for, like, FedEx and UPS where it plots out routes for them. And anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's, mm-hmm. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I didn't want to intimidate everybody with the big words. <laughs> you know. You know. All right. So... <laughs> Anyway, he did that. He does that. What he's that those words, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so I was like, okay, cool. And then he asked me what I did, and I told him. And he was probably just as bored about it and everything that I did. And uh, and so as he was telling me about something else, whatever next subject, he said, well, I'm a car guy. And I mean, I was like, boom, yeah, me too. What kind of car? What kind of car you got? And he was like, well, I've got several. And I was like, well, well, what kind of cars plural do you have? And uh, and he was like, well, I've got a uh, I've got a Hellcat. Can you say Hellcat in church? He's got a Hellcat. It's a Dodge Hellcat. That's the, uh, oh, it's me. Yeah, he's got a Hellcat. So Dodge makes it. Anyway, he's got a Hellcat. He's got a GTR. He's got uh, this big, like, uh, it's like Chevrolet's version of the Raptor. It's like this big engine supercharged truck. And I was just like, oh, that's so cool. He showed me pictures of it. It was like twin turbo Corvette, some really cool stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't have, I, my buddy's got a twin turbo. I'm showing all my buddy's cars because mine aren't that cool. Like, my buddy's got this twin turbo Corvette. My other buddy's got this Malibu with a big supercharger. My buddy's, you know what I mean? He's got all these buddies with cool cars, but. Um, so anyway, and uh, I didn't show him the old truck. I did tell him, I said, when I get back home, I'm going to look at a deuce and a half. He was like, oh, those are awesome. I was like, oh, no. So anyway, so we got to talking about all this stuff. And, and before long, I mentioned the, the whole deuce and a half thing. I said, we're doing this men's retreat, this camping trip, which we'll announce later because I've screwed the whole service up. Um, we're doing this men's retreat, and I hope you guys can come if you can. And, and for some reason, Buddy started talking about a van and a camper, and I was like, well, we should sh- for sure get a deuce and a half because that's what we need to go tent camping. And uh, so anyway, I was telling him about that, and he said, uh, he said, oh, man, that's cool. He said, well, my church does this, and da 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 and, and we just kind of, because I don't lead with, hey, I'm a pastor, you know, I just never do that. And, uh, and so he was like, yeah, our church does this men's retreat thing. And I was like, oh, where's your church? And he said, it's in Kansas. He used to live in Austin, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, I said, going along those lines, I said, well, actually, I'm the pastor, you know, of the church. And this. he was like, no way, I'm the pastor of my church. <laughs> I was like, no way. Did we just become best friends? You like cars and you're a pastor? <laughs> it wasn't far from that, but it was similar. And uh, so anyway, it was really cool. And, <laughs> and I, never mind, I don't want to chase that. It was, there was some other funny conversation there that I don't want to get it too deep into. But anyway, it's all that to say, the, the week comes on, I come back home, and we, uh, Tracy loves football games, and I don't care for football at all. And then Trent wants to go to football games now, high school football games, and I'm care even less about high school football games, but I love Tracy, I love my daughter, so we go to high school, high school football games. It actually wasn't that hot. Normally it's really hot, and it wasn't that bad. 
Let's go to this high school football game. And there's, there's some other things. I'm not going to get into too many details. I'm going to try not to. Um, I keep watching the clock. But um, we left from this football game, and everybody's hungry. Everybody's going to the bathroom. There's 8 million people. And in the bayou, basically, there's like two places, like Waffle House or McDonald's. And both places are going to be packed out. And we're just like, I don't know what to do. We go to McDonald's. And we're like, this is a horrible idea. There's just 8,000 kids and revving engines and screaming and just, you know, teenager stuff. So we go in, and we're just like, uh, we use the bathroom. We're like, we'll just get something to eat somewhere else. So we go back out. And we go to our truck. And, I mean, it's just packed out. Right on the other side of the truck is uh, some other people that went with us, friends of ours. And they brought kids, too. And they were parked where that is, like a dirt parking lot. And as we walk up, there's two kids about to get in a fight and a crowd gathering around them. And so they start to go at it. Well, then, like, a bunch of people just jump this one kid. Um, and so my, my first thought was I need to make sure our kids are okay. So I'm screaming a lot, <laughs> screaming at Tracy to get the kids in the truck, everybody get in the truck. And, you know, I've, um, you know I want to do something for this kid, but I'm like, man, what am I going to do? I'm going to get in here and fight a bunch of kids, teenagers and go to jail. I was like, we got to do something. And Tracy's screaming at them, and they're not responding. And so we got, we got all the kids safe in the truck. And I, I ran right in the middle of the fight. Like, there's eight guys on this one kid, and I ran right in the middle of the fight. I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. And my fists are, you know, I'm ready to <laughs> fight like an idiot. But I'm like, i got to get them off this kid, you know. And so I ran right in the middle of them. And I, I'd love to say I was like the Hulk and just throwing kids off. And like I was doing something <laughs> great. But it wasn't anything like that. It was a str- it, it odd. The, the more I think about it since it happened, it was really odd. Because I ran right in the middle of it, and I only shoved two kids off of him. And there were, like, several other, four or five other kids beating. I mean, this wasn't a polite. They were, they were beating him badly, kicking and beating this kid on the ground. So I shoved these two kids, and I don't even remember what I said. I just screamed something, get off or break it up or something. And I just made eye contact with the rest of them, and they just ran away. And everybody scattered, and I turned around to get the kid, and he was gone. And it was it. It was over. And they all ran away. And I've thought about it over and over and over since then. And not to be super spiritual, but I really do feel like it was the Holy Spirit that went with me. And I didn't have to fight a bunch of teenagers and go to jail, right? (laughs) Or I might have got beat up. I didn't have to get beat up either. (laughs) I haven't fought in like 20 years. I don't know what to do with these things. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do this all the time. What do I forget? What do I do? Is it like riding a bike? And, uh, but what it did, as, I've, as, as we do, we, we, we start thinking about all the things that could have happened. And it brought me all the way back to, and I've told you all this story before, and I'll try to make it brief, uh, but some of you all haven't heard it. I grew up fighting a lot, and, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't that good at fighting. I just realized that I didn't like being punched, and so I just punched people first. And so that made me win more fights because <laughs> I didn't wait around. If I knew it was about to go down, I'd just throw a punch and be done with it. Um, and so I did that for a while, and I built up a bit of a reputation of, of being a, a good, which I wasn't. I probably could have been beat up if they were just quicker. <laughs> um, but I built up this reputation of trying to, I guess, being bad or a good fighter or whatever. So I ended up at a party, and these guys jumped me. Similar situation. Um, there was just too many. I couldn't fight them all off. And I thought, because back then, you know, when you're a kid, you're invincible. I thought, I'm going to get the upper hand soon. <laughs> I was not going to get the upper hand. There was like eight guys on me. I was not getting the upper hand. I mean... It was bad. And this bouncer guy, some random guy I had never met in my life, shouldn't have been at a high school party. I think he was out of high school. Got everybody off of me, picked me up, and said, you need to get out of here. They're going to kill you. <laughs> and, and I responded with something like, no, I'm going to kill them all or something stupid. 
And then he picked me up off the ground. <laughs> he was a bouncer. He was huge. And put me up against a brick wall, like knocked some sense into me and said, get out of here. <laughs> They're going to kill you. I was like, okay, maybe I should get out of here. So I walked out to the front. And as I walked out to the front, some of those guys followed. I didn't know. And as I, I was telling somebody about this a couple weeks ago. As I'm walking out, I turned around and saw the, one of the guys that I actually did get one hit on. And, and as I turned around, he caught me in the jaw. And it was like a kind of a, if you've ever been in fights, it wasn't a full knockout, but it was like a weak knees. <laughs> and I remember saying out loud, I think you broke my jaw. I think you broke my jaw. <laughs> and I fell over, and I was almost completely knocked out, and they jumped on me again and started beating on me. He came out and kind of rushed him off and left. Well, as I thought about that, I thought about, man, all the mistakes that I've made in my life up, up to that point, I remember praying really hard when I was in a ball on the ground, and they were all kicking and hitting me. But I prayed desperately and passionately in that moment that, that the Lord would, would not let me die in a yard somewhere, you know, in the front yard somewhere. And I remember that that's something you don't forget, you know. Something, I just imagine somebody's about to stab me or shoot me or something. I just thought something, this is it for me. Going along the lines of what the Lord was showing me in worship, that's what I thought. That's pretty much how I thought my life would end at some point, the way that I was going. And many of you know I, was, I stayed in trouble a lot and, and got arrested and did some things that I'm not proud of. But at the same time, that was my identity. That's who I thought I was in the moment. But I remember praying in that moment saying, Lord, you know, if there's anything that you can do to get me out of this situation, one of those dumb prayers like, I'll change my life and I'll do anything, just get me out of this situation. But it was a, the, the amazing thing is as stupid as I was back then, I really do think the Lord heard my prayer even in that moment. And he knew who I was going to be in the future. And he... From that point, it took a while. He began to plant more and more seeds and put people in my life to, to show me a better way, to demonstrate the love of the Father, not just to tell me, but to actually walk alongside me. And he began to plant those seeds in my life even back then. Even when I was going the complete opposite direction, he began to plant those seeds because I believe the Lord saw in me similarly, and I'm not trying to compare myself to Peter, similarly like Peter. Look at this goofball. <laughs> I, I was I was a little arrogant and I was cocky and 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 I, I would have never imagined that God could use me to be a pastor or I would ever get married or have kids or or be responsible or do anything. I just thought that my my life was was going to end up bad because that's the history that I'd come from. Um, the beautiful thing is. God's patient. We talked about that with love, how love is patient. God was patient. It's like he waited me out. And I think it's a beautiful thing when we begin to see God work in other people's lives. It reminds you of what he's done in your life. And so when I talk about myself, I'm not trying to build myself up. I just want you guys to see how good God is. Um, because I really... And I don't know everybody's story. I know a lot of y'all's stories. But there, there's places, there's places that I had been that I thought were unredeemable. There are things that I'd done that I thought were unforgivable. <clears throat> and there's just, there's just something about a God that loves that much that could take that much junk And just and just take it away. I mean, just just like that. It's just amazing. 
All right, let's talk about Peter. I don't want to cry anymore. This is just a quick look. I could go much more extensively, but I don't want to keep you all here all day. Um, and I could, bre- I, could, I could probably help you all in breach. Y'all know these stories. Y'all know about the rooster crowing. Peter denied him. And there's a look there in the scripture, and I'm, I'm not going to go to it. So we'll just talk about it. There's a point when you know, Jesus knew that was going to happen, and then Peter did it, and then Peter realized that it happened. And they looked, and Jesus saw him. They caught glances, and we've talked about this before, but we always think Jesus looked at him in disappointment. I don't think that he did. I think that in that moment, I think in that moment, Jesus saw what Peter was going to do. I think in that moment, Jesus saw the Peter that was going to become the Peter that we know now. Peter didn't see it because it said he went away and he cried. Peter didn't see it, but Jesus saw it. Later on, all of them are sitting at Waffle House by the water. <laughs> They're having breakfast. And, and uh, Jesus talks to him and says, hey, do you love me? Peter says, duh, yes, of course I do. He says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? He says three times. It's kind of the, the reinstatement thing. And essentially what he's saying is, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He's reiterating this. Do you love me? Well, we'll love like I love. See people like I see you. Treat people like I treat people. And so he's telling him, look, I know that you love me, but I want you to see that I love you. And it goes back to the whole washing of the feet thing. He's just reiterating his love for us over and over and over and over again. Now later on in Matthew, if you do want to want to go there, you know where most of these places are, Matthew 16, 13. And I'll read this one. So when Jesus arrived in the villages, he, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about the Son of Man? Or, who, or, or what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, some think he's John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. He pressed them, how about you? What do you who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I put, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. The rock that he's building is not just on Peter. The rock is the truth of who Jesus is. It's who Peter recognized Jesus to be. He said, this is the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Is the rock of the knowledge of who I truly am. And not only that, of who you truly are, Peter, and of you guys, who you truly are, church. The very foundation of who Christ is now becomes the very foundation of who we are. What an amazing thing. Can we even wrap our minds around that? No. (laughs) That's why we have to renew it every day. 
Our hearts are so settled, it's ridiculous, but our minds are just so confused sometimes and frustrated. He says, look, let me tell you who you are, who you really are. That's what we need to know. If you're looking for affirmation today, there you go. That is who you are. You are heirs and co-heirs. You are a royal priesthood, chosen. Fast forward a little bit to Acts. Acts 2.14. says, Peter stood up and backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully to the, and get this story straight. They thought they were calling them drunk. He said, these people aren't drunk, as you, some of you suspect. They haven't even had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, and he's not talking about last days, eschatology, last days of Jesus' return. He's talking about the old covenant, the last days of the old covenant, the new covenant coming in. In the last days, God says, I will pour out, because this is obvious because he's referring to what's happening right then. They're calling him drunk, and he's like, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They had not had time to get drunk. <laughs> they didn't wake up that early. So as a, as a response to this, he says, in the last days, God will pour, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you. The miracles and wonders and signs that God did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, following the deliberate and well-thought-out plan of God, was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands and was handed over to you. And you pinned him to a cross and killed him, but God untied the death ropes. I love that. And raised him up. Death was no match for him. David said it all. I saw God before me for all time. Nothing can shake me. His, he's right by my side. I'm glad from the inside out, ecstatic. I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. I know you'll never dump me in Hades. I'll never even smell the stench of death. You've got my feet on the life path with your face shining like a sun, joy all around. Dear friends, let me be completely frank with you. Our ancestor David is dead and buried. His tomb is in plain sight today. But being also a prophet and knowing that God had solemnly sworn that a descendant of his would rule his kingdom, seeing far ahead, he talked of the resurrection of the Messiah. No trip to Hades, no stench of death. This Jesus God raised up, and every one of us here is a witness to it. Then raised to the heights of the right hand of God and receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. He poured out the spirit he had just received. That is what you see and hear. For David himself not ascended to heaven, did not ascend to heaven, but he did say, God said to my master, sit at my right hand until I, until I make your enemies a footstool for resting your feet. All Israel then, now, all Israel then know this. There is no longer room for doubt. God made his master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you killed on a cross. Cut to the quick, those who were, who were listening, Asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, so now what do we do? 
Peter said, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. He went on, he went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can, get out of the sick and stupid culture. <laughs> that day, about 3,000 were saved. And you know, Lynn Hiles touched on this while he was here. That was, that was the redemption from the 3,000 from Mount Sinai. That's confirmation of this new covenant that, that God was going to bring us with the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is, there is more redemption just in a moment spent with God than we can even imagine. Part of this week leading into this and seeing, kind of going back and seeing some of the patterns and seeing this, this poor kid get jumped and kind of all the events that have gone on and me meeting this pastor and seeing how quickly we became friends over like cars and different things that we were interested in really has me excited about things that we're going to be doing in our church pretty soon. Tracy and I sat and talked for almost two hours yesterday about it. What we've done, um, and this is a little more personal to our, so if you're visiting, you just get to listen in. This is a little more personal to our church body. I want to, I want to express something to you guys and let you guys know the vision that, that, that Tracy and I have for, for our church for the future. The last couple of years since the merge, we've been more inward focused in making sure everybody was okay, relationships were strong, that nobody, you know, Everybody was good, and I feel like we're at that place now. We can shift gears and go a different direction. What we want to do is we want to not go back because we did things differently before, but when we used to do a lot of outreaches, we want to get outside these doors. And uh, it just really sparked something to me. First it was, uh, you know, Buddy got that vision during the the conference about doing that outdoor trip, and that got me excited and and, uh, about just doing things a little unconventionally. You know I'm all about doing things unconventionally. Um, but about doing that and just reaching men because a lot of guys, and, and me too, sometimes, I don't want to, every Sunday, sometimes guys just don't want to sit in here and listen. I mean, guys are fidgety. I, if I wasn't there, I would have to really focus to listen. And I enjoy listening to good sermons, but there's times when I get, I'm distracted, right? Or I'm just tired or whatever it is. I just think there, there's nothing wrong. I love meeting on Sundays and we're not going to change that, but we may shift some things every once in a while. What I'm some of the things that we're, we're talking about doing is there's there's something in the car. I've all, for some reason, I've always kind of divorced all my car stuff from ministry, and I don't know why. The same thing I love about Jesus seeing in Peter. Jesus saw Peter and all of his... He didn't wasn't trying to make Peter something different. He was trying to bring up in him who he really was. In the same way I see... Who is it? Tell him I'll call him back. We're making plans for the future here. No, it's okay. <laughs> Tell them they can get on board. So there, there are a few things, and I'm just going to throw out just a couple things that are in the works, but we've got plenty of connections in here with you guys and with us, and we know a lot of people. I know a lot of car guys. There's, there's something in the car culture that has shifted from car shows to cars and coffee, and most of them are on Sunday mornings. I can't ever go to them because I'm here. We're, one of the things we'd like to do is do, we're going to have like, uh, who is it, Yellowhammer Coffee come park out here, and we'll buy the coffee, and we'll have a cars and coffee here one Sunday morning. And they can hang out and come to service if they want to, but we're just going to bless them. And, and we've got this huge yard that's perfect for, like, cars hanging out. And I like cars. And, I mean, I think it'd be cool. So just little things like that. We want to reach out to the community. We're going to do this. And we're not going to just target all men's stuff. We'll do some, I don't know what you ladies like to do, but we'll do some ladies stuff too. But I'm just excited about all the, all the stuff that, that we, can, we can do with this. So, um, but that's one of the things we want to do. We want to do more, if you want to call it outward-focused things, like we want to reach the community. Um, I just see 
especially talking to that guy, within five minutes we were like best friends, just talking about car stuff. And then it, as it does, as you get to talking, the Lord's going to come up if he's a part of your life. It's just how, we don't have to go, you know, like we always say, go make everybody feel uncomfortable screaming at them with a bullhorn. We can just make conversation. And if, if you're a Christian, it's going to come out eventually. You're going to be like, well, this weird thing happened to me the other day. You know, the Holy Spirit led me to do this. And they're like, what? It just happens. You know, you, you begin to talk to people. And it should be a very natural thing. So I know you guys do that on your own, and I don't want to try to substitute that with corporate. But when we do this, and I'm just talking to our guys that are part of our church. So visitors, if you want to be on board, you can. But I'm not going to put any pressure on you. But our guys, I'm putting pressure on you. When we do this, it's all hands on deck. Like, those Sundays that we do it, even my message is going to be targeted towards visitors of people that are coming from a car scene or whatever, or just coming to hang out. And I'm, I want you guys to be those Sundays, and I'm thinking maybe like once a month or something or whenever we do it, I, w- I want you guys to be aware of what we're doing and for you guys to be focused on, on the people that are coming in. Just make sure you guys do it already. Uh, I know I sound like a resounding gong. No, I'm just kidding. You guys do it already, but just uh, <laughs> Jesus juke. The, uh, but just make people feel welcome, you know, and just focus towards, towards that, that whole thing. Does that make sense? All right. That's just one, one of many things we talked about, but that's one of the things I'm excited about. I think it's going to be really fun. And, I mean, if it's just me and a few, a few I can, I've got probably two or three friends that I could call that have enough cars that could probably fill up a lot that are just car guys that just love to come out and hang out and talk about car stuff. So, anyway, now we bought a deuce and a half. We'll park it out there. Kids can play on it. We can have a bouncy house or whatever, and we can ride them around the yard in the deuce and a half. It's like a big Tonka truck. Uh, deuce and a half is a military vehicle. It's like a six-wheel, massive it's the most ridiculous vehicle you've ever seen. Hey, <laughs> what's wrong with the Deuce and a Half? Tracy loves it. She's her favorite vehicle ever. I told her she could be soccer mom of the year, man. She pulled up to school in that thing. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you this. This is funny. And this is another thing that I love about this, this vehicle. And we're going to use it for church stuff all the time. And here's, here's one of the reasons. I'm going to park it out here one day, just leave it out there for a while. It is so huge and so big and loud we pulled, we were, we were driving it, Buddy and I went and got it. It only does 55 miles an hour. So we're on the interstate, just, it's, it's all I can do is 55, so we're just like, I'm in here for, but it was 55 miles an hour of awesome, <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't, I've got like eight mirrors on either side, and I'm like, should I merge, what do I care, merge, you know, <laughs> people get out of the way, yeah, <laughs> they do, you <laughs> I haven't checked it yet, but the internet, the internet tells me nine to 12, but that's regard. That's that's by itself empty or pulling like eight tanks. It's the same. Fifty-five miles an hour, nine miles of the gallon. It doesn't matter. You could you could pull a house down with it. It's gonna get. It's all it's gonna do. But it's six-wheel drive and it will go anywhere you want to go. Um, but yeah, people actually get out of the way when you're in your lane. I'm like, why are y'all going so far away from me? But we stopped at Bucky's to get fuel, and uh, and uh, when we came out, there was like a crowd around it, and, and it took us 15 minutes to get out of that place. And, these guys are just coming up and talking and, uh, you know, just, and we're talking. This guy's talking about, you know, when I was in the war, I had this, and this other guy's over here talking. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to go, you know. <laughs> anyway, they just come out, and, and, and I watched the video of it, and they even said that on there. Like, if you own one, you're, people are just going to come out of the woodwork when you stop somewhere. They're just going to show up. And you're like, where did you come from? <laughs> and it was exactly that. And uh, so I just think it'd be neat. It's a cool thing just to, you know, I, the kids get a kick out of it. I mean, it's just, it's got a thousand warning things on it. Funny story. It's got a throttle lock on it, which is really made for the PTO. It's got a PTO on the back of it. You can, like, run something. I don't know. That's crazy. And uh, it's got a, it's got a, 
throttle lock on it that I was using for cruise control. So I floored it and put it on cruise control. It only does 55. I mean, what are you going to do? And I'm looking around at all the warnings. I'm like, this is crazy. Warning, warning, warning. Big red warning. Do not use throttle lock for cruise control. <laughs> Brake will not stop it. <laughs> and I thought back to the guy we bought it from who said he saw one in Afghanistan. They couldn't stop it and they jumped out and it hit a tree and then it just dug the earth out and stood straight up. <laughs> like it moved the earth out of its way. It's like it's geared so low with 47-inch military tires, it's just there you can't stop it. It's just like... It'll just go through the wall and back out the other side. So after you read that warning, did you disobey? No, I didn't. I just paid closer attention. I knew that. I knew that. I knew where it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what I do is I just, I'd hit the throttle and unlock it, and then I could hit the brake. But if you hit the brake with the throttle, the brakes ain't stopping it. No, the brakes don't even <laughs> no, it don't play. Do, and Tracy couldn't remember what it was called, she called it a doozy. I was like, you just named it. We're going to call it the doozy. <laughs> Instead of a deuce and a half, it's the doozy. <laughs> Guys, load up in the doozy. And then we're jokingly, she said, we go to this Jeep parade every year, and the kids can only invite like four kids because Jeeps are so small. Yeah. Tracy's like, could you put that in the Jeep parade? I was like, technically, it's a Jeep. I mean, the same company makes it. <laughs> And so I was like, she, you could, she could invite every friend she knows, <laughs> and they could get in the back of, yeah, and then all of their friends, and then half a mobile, you know, <laughs> and they can get in the back of it. It's no problem at all. I do want to put on the back, I think this is pretty funny, but it, the Gladiator truck just came out, Jeep's new truck. It's called a Gladiator. I want Kylie to make a sticker that says, LOL, at your Gladiator. Because <laughs> you can pull, I pulled up to like this massive jacked up Chevrolet truck, and I was looking down at him. It's <laughs> like, cute truck. <laughs> It's hilarious. This thing is awesome. Anyway, we're going to use it for church stuff and, and pretty much whatever we want to do. That's what somebody, one of the guys at the gas station, like, what are, you, what are you going to do with it? I was like, whatever I want. <laughs> what could I not do with it? <laughs> Drive through. We stopped, at, we stopped at Zaxby's, and there were people out there taking selfies with it and, like, walking around it. It's like, anywhere you stop, it takes up two parking spots. <laughs> it's huge. He's like, oh. Anyway, I don't I don't know where I was going with all that. Amen. All right, here's, here's, what I, here's what I do. Here's what I want to do. And this is going to seem kind of kooky, and I don't do this all the time, but I always do kooky stuff. I want to, this is just kind of a, one of those spiritual things that I want to act out physically, so bear with me. I'm not going to tell you to take your shoes off or do anything like that. <laughs> but I want, I want us to stand up and turn around and look out. Is that okay? Can we do that? We're going to stand up anyway, and I'm going to pray for you. But stand up, turn around. I want us to look out, because what, I want us to, to really think about this as a church that I want, I want us to see, I didn't say leave. No, I'm just <laughs> I didn't say get up and walk out. No, I want, us, I want us to really think about this. I want us to pray about this. And when you guys leave, pray for us. Pray for Tracy and I and for, for our church. We want to have vision for, uh, for, for the people in our community. We want, to have people, we want to have vision for people that come in our church to visit. And I want you guys to be on board with this. So um, we're just going to pray. Father, we just, we just pray as we're, as we're looking out into this community, into our neighborhood, into the people that are right in front of us that we can bless. Lord, I don't want to substitute um, what we're already doing individually as, as people and families and friends, but corporately I want us as a church to begin to, to look outward, for us to look at our community and see places where we can just meet people where they are the same way you met us where we are. Lord, we want to meet them in their hobbies. We want to meet them um, in their interests. We want to meet them um, in their distress and their needs. We want to find a way to bless people and to to treat them and to see them the way that you see us and the way that you see them. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear um, how we can minister to people in our community.
We want you, we want, we want you to lead us in this. If it's, if it's not about you, then we, we don't need to do it. But if it's about you, we want you to lead us in this. So, Lord, just give us more vision. Give us more, um, more understanding and, and just, uh, just clear, clear eyes to see what you have for the people in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.